see y'all in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to the Gospel of John, the third chapter. The Gospel of John, the third chapter. This is probably going to be a very familiar sermon or very familiar scripture to you when you get there. John, the third chapter. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. John the third chapter beginning in verse 1 there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him Rabbi we know thou art a teacher come from God for no man can do these miracles that word miracles is signs that thou doest except God be with him and Jesus answered and said unto him verily verily some of your translations may have truly, truly, when you see barely, barely, pay attention because something important is about to be said. Jesus answered and said unto him, Barely, barely, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. That word born again is born from above. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, there it is again, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, or wishes, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, whether it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master? That word master is teacher of Israel, and knowest not these things. Keep your Bibles open right there. Now, this is the first appearance in Scripture that we have of Nicodemus. Just what we read right there in our text today. Nicodemus, we see, went to seek Jesus at night. He was afraid to be seen with Jesus during the daytime. When Nicodemus met Jesus, he believed Jesus came from God. But you notice that he quantified this as being, he, he called Jesus merely a teacher. That's what he referred to him as. He believed this because no one could do the miracles Jesus was doing unless God was with him. Now, what is so fascinating to me about this is this thing. You know, Nicodemus wasn't the only Pharisee that saw Jesus do these miracles. There were other Pharisees who saw. There was a whole bunch of Israelites that witnessed the miracles as well. 
And that was a key factor in why many people believe. And there's a lot of people today that will tell you if you start talking to them about Jesus Christ, well, if I could just see a sign, if I could just see something that would convince me. Folks, the Bible is full of it. The Bible is full of signs. We don't need no more signs. We got plenty of them. Get your nose in that Bible and study a little bit and you will see that Jesus is alive. He is real. That He is well. But, but anyway, they did not believe. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said the reason they didn't believe is because they did not know the Father. You know, the Bible tells us no one can know the Son unless they know the Father and vice versa. Yet when Nicodemus saw the miracles that Jesus was doing, he believed that Jesus had come from God. Now, let me interject some things here. I believe that Nicodemus had a soft heart. I believe that Nicodemus authentically wanted to serve the Lord. He may have struggled, being he was a Pharisee. He may have struggled with some of the self-righteous sins, some of the proud sins that the other Pharisees did, as well as many of us do today. But overall, deep down in his heart, he wanted to follow Jesus. He knew of the Father. He knew of, of God. And because of that, he wanted to know about Jesus. He had a desire to know something about this man called Jesus. Now, I believe that many of us are like Nicodemus. We struggle being like the Pharisees. In other words, deep down in our hearts, we there, there is some things that we need to get past. There are some things that we need to put behind us. And I'll explain more about that as I go through this sermon today. But, but we struggle being like the Pharisees, but deep down, in our hearts, we want to follow the Lord. And like Nicodemus, we too can break away from those Pharisee-like qualities that, 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 that are holding us back, holding us down, and wholeheartedly follow Jesus. So let me examine the life of Nicodemus in this story just a little bit this evening. Let me visit with you about losing your religion. Now, I'm not talking about when you get mad and you start saying a bunch of things you shouldn't say and doing a bunch of things you shouldn't, say, shouldn't do, especially when you draw that hammer back and you shoot that old thumb right square dead in the middle. Woo! You want to lose your religion and say something ugly. That's not what I'm talking about. Nicodemus needed to lose his religion. What was his religion? He was a Pharisee. That was his religion. So we're going to talk about losing your religion. Now, 
What do we know about Nicodemus? Well, I'm going to tell you a few things about him. He was a very devout man. There's no doubt about that. He prayed daily. He studied the scriptures constantly. He visited the sick regularly. He had words of comfort for the grieving relentlessly. He was one of the regulars in church. If the doors were open, you could bet that Nicodemus was going to be there. Every week, you would find him in his usual seat that he felt like was bequitted to him by God. Now, I'm here to tell you, people, that, that, that I've been in enough churches and there are certain people that's got that certain place they sit and you better not get in the most of the middle of it or trouble is going to start. How dare you sit in my place? But Nicodemus was there. He had his spot that he said, and he sat comfortably there. And he liked where he sat because that was his usual place. And you might say it helped him concentrate and focus on God. Now, but he didn't just sit in worship. Don't get me wrong. He didn't just sit in worship. He worshiped God with everything he had. Whenever they sang, he sang with gusto. Whenever they prayed, he prayed with fervor. You know, and, and, and if he were living today, he probably would walk in, find his seat that is acquitted to him by God, and he would check in on Facebook when he arrived, and then he would be tweeting to somebody when the preacher said something really good or when the music moved him. And the reason that he wanted to do that was he, he, he wanted to share with the world what was important to him. Let me stop here and just ask you a question. Is the gospel of Jesus Christ important to you? Amen. Are you sharing it? I didn't get quite enough amens out of that deal. You see, you got it. Use it. Use it. It ain't gonna do no good. What is that? What is that little that song that, that we sing? This little light of mine? I'm gonna let it shine. But don't it go on to say in there, this little light of mine, or something about putting a bushel basket on top of it. You see, nobody sees. Nobody, it's not doing anybody any good. So, if you say, is the gospel important to you, and you say, amen, my question is, what are you doing with it? Are you using it? Now, he wanted to share because worshiping the God that created him was important. Worshiping the God who sustained him was important. Worshiping the God that he knew one day would redeem him was important. I suppose this is the type of man 
that if Nicodemus was alive today, you would find him Saturday morning cooking pancakes for the hungry. You would find him Wednesday handing out produce to those that were in need. If he would have been handy with a hammer, I'm sure he would have joined the local Habitat for Humanity and been helping them on whatever day they met. He was a good man. There's no doubt about that. You know, he could have been called Simon. He could have been called Max. He could have been called Billy Bob Billy. But his name was Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. He wasn't just a Pharisee. He was a leader among the Pharisees. Now, let me talk about that for just a minute. As a Pharisee, he believed that God's law had to be strictly observed and that strict observation or uh, adherence to the law was necessary in order to, to gain God's blessing. What did I tell you the title of this sermon was? Losing your religion. In other words, Nicodemus needed to lose his religion. And since he was a Pharisee, he would have believed that God's law included the Ten Commandments, but a whole other host of rituals and regulations and rules that needed to be adhered to. He, he believed that he needed to strictly observe these in order for God to be pleased. Now, given this Pharisee's concern about, and all of them, not just Nicodemus, but, you know, they all had this concern about keeping God's law, being obedient, adhering to it. And because of that very strict interpretation of those laws, it's not anything surprising that the Pharisees had what you might describe as a very tense relationship with Jesus. Look at here just a minute. I want you to talk. I got, we ain't got no place to be. Turn to Matthew 23. Turn to Matthew 23. And I'm going to run through this real quick, so you better be on your toes. Or else you're probably not going to be able to keep up, or else your fingers are going to have to fly, man. You better have five bars on that we feed. Did I tell y'all the 23rd chapter? Okay, look, look in verse 16. I just want to show you the intensity of the relationship between Jesus and the Pharisees. Matthew 23, look in verse 16. Notice that he calls them, you blind guides. Look in verse 17. He calls them, you fools. Look down in verse 27. He says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, for you are like whited sepulchers. In other words, you look good on the outside, but on the inside you're full of dead man's bones and all sorts of unclean things. Sepulchre. Now, look in verse 33. He calls them serpents. Also in verse 33, he says, you generation of vipers. 
That's giving you some idea. Now don't turn there because of time, but if you go over to Luke, the 11th chapter, verse 44, Jesus says to them there, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. And he calls them hypocrites. Trust me, it's in there. Time and time again in the Gospels, we see the Pharisees confronting Jesus sparring with Jesus, trying to trap Jesus in opposition to him. But listen to me, it, it wasn't necessarily that the Pharisees were necessarily bad people. It wasn't necessarily that they had bad motives. The problem was their attitude about the certainty about what God required kept them in the dark about what God was really trying to do in the world. In other words, they needed to lose their religion. You know, Jesus had a lot of conversations with the Pharisees during the daylight. But here in this particular instance, we see that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Now, one, one line of thought was that nighttime was a good time to study God's law because there wasn't as many distractions, Joe. So with Nicodemus coming with the stars out and the moon shining, there wouldn't be a, a, as many obstacles to disturb his concentration. But I feel like that he probably chose to be uh, go to Jesus at night because he just did not want to be seen. He did not want to be seen with Jesus by his peers. And here's the other thing that, that is interesting to me. I think Nicodemus was somewhat intrigued by Jesus. I think Nicodemus he, he, he had heard about Jesus. He had seen these miracles, but yet I think he had this desire to talk to, to Jesus. He had this desire to ask some questions of Jesus because, you know, it, it's just like you and me. When we start hearing something about somebody, we want to get to the nitty gritty. You know, we want to talk to them instead of just going on what we hear. And that's where Nicodemus was. He, let's just say he was curious to somewhat a uh, 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 degree. And probably he wanted to have a little one-on-one -on -one with Jesus to see if there was anything he was doing wrong, any rule that he wasn't keeping that would, you know, get him in trouble. But knowing that, that, that there was this tension between Jesus and the religious establishment, I feel like that he just didn't want anybody to know that he sought Jesus out. And that's the reason why he came to Jesus uh, during the night. But whatever the reason, that Nicodemus came to Jesus and, and had this night school program, if you will, I suspect the reason that John is pointing out this situation and telling us this information, this is a way of suggesting to us that Jesus, not Jesus, but that Nicodemus 
came to Jesus and he knew a lot about God's law. Uh, 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 you know, I mean, they were very astute in keeping the law, but he was in the dark about what God was trying to do through Jesus Christ. When Nicodemus found Jesus during the night, what did he say to him? He said, we know you're from God. You notice he didn't say, I know you're from God. He says, we know you are from God. We've seen the signs you do. By this point, probably Nicodemus had heard about, maybe even witnessed, I don't know, the miracle of Jesus turning the water into wine. He had, by this point, by this meaning, he probably heard about Jesus losing his temper in the temple and kicking all the, the money changers' tables over. Uh, by this, this point, he had probably heard enough to realize that Jesus wasn't just this old carpenter from Nazareth. There was something about this guy. You know, not that he was the son of God, not that he was the savior of the world, but just that Jesus was a learned man who had a connection of some kind with God. Now, when we look at the other side of the coin, when, G when Nicodemus came to Jesus, I think Jesus saw something in Nicodemus. Because unlike us, we look at the outside. Jesus knew what was inside Nicodemus' heart. He says there's something about this guy. He, there, there is a reason why he came to him. He, he was different. And we see in this chapter, and I only read part of it, but this is a very phenomenal com conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus that would change Nicodemus's life forever. You know, some of the most quoted scripture is right here in this, this particular chapter. And you may wonder why Jesus said to Nicodemus the things that he said to him. Well, Jesus said the things to Nicodemus because he knew that, that Nicodemus needed to be freed from all of those religious rituals, all of those rules, all of those regulations, and, and, and living the life of a Pharisee. You know, and as we established earlier, Nicodemus loved God, but still he struggled, just like the other Pharisees did, about the kingdom of God, how to understand the kingdom of God. This is still a problem we have. I mean, we're talking about 2,000 years ago. And this is still a problem we have today. Jesus told Nicodemus that he could never understand these things unless he was what? Born again. You see, just, just you know, uh, and this not only applies to Nicodemus, it applies to to all who seek to know the kingdom of God today. Just, just like Nicodemus, we too need to be saved. We too need to be born again. Now, whenever 
John makes this statement about Nicodemus coming to, to John at night. That's not a statement about time. That's, that's not a statement about Nicodemus' motives or his faith. It is rather a description of Nicodemus' life. In other words, we would say it this way. Poor old Nicodemus, he was just in the dark. He just don't get it. Are y'all with me here? Are y'all reading this in this story? Come on! Come to life, folks! Nicodemus needed to be born again. This is a description talking about Nicodemus coming in the night. This is a description that fits every one of us at some point or another. You're not going to sit there and tell me, well, preacher, there was a time, you know, I never was in the dark. Baloney. Coming at night is a recognition that there was a daytime Nicodemus and there's a nighttime Nicodemus. Just like there's a daytime Barton and there's a nighttime Barton. Just like there is a daytime you and a nighttime you. By day, Nicodemus knows who he is. He has an identity. He's a Pharisee. He has a role. He, he you know, in a reputation. He's a leader of, of, of the Jews. He knows how to apply God's law. People listen to him. People follow him. He has a particular place in society. He fits in. He has authority. He has power. But by nighttime, Nicodemus is lost and confused. He cannot see. He, he's having trouble understanding what Jesus is telling him. Nothing makes sense. Like I said a while ago, we would say he's in the dark. His work, his accomplishments, his reputation, his place in society no longer provides stability or, 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 or answers. Everything is changed. He's stumbling in the dark. Daytime certainly has given way to nighttime questions. Notice in verse 9, Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can these things be? You see, by day, what does he do? He keeps his faith. By night, however, his, his, his nets come up empty. By night, everything is hidden. You know, Daytime reveals what is. Nighttime reveals nothing. We stumble in the darkness. We grasp for something to hold on to. We seek answers, you know, to the explanations of life. Everything has been turned upside down. Nothing is certain. In the dark, things don't make sense. We don't understand. The nighttime is a time of vulnerability, of questions, of wrestling with why, what life. You know, we're always better in the daytime than we are in the nighttime. Why? Because we can see what's going on during the day. We, we, we feel safer. We have stability. 
You know, and, and well, that's what we have been taught. We have been taught to live daytime lives. That's what the world values. That's what the world encourages. That's what the world rewards. We want to be daytime people, but that daytime means we spend our time looking for information, looking for answers. We build our reputation. We desire recognition, you know, and approval. We establish our place in life. We buy stuff. We gain wealth. We want predictability. We want control. We prefer what is safe and, you know, and, and familiar. Daytime life is what we create for ourselves. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying here, folks. There is nothing that, that is wrong with that. We do what it, we have to do. We do what we need to do. And some of those things are okay. You know, they are necessary. But the problem is daylight, daytime living keeps us stuck in a cycle where we are always having to create and recreate our lives. What I'm saying is this. We never get enough. We never quite get there. It seems like those things that we desire the most are just kind of beyond our grasp. And that's important information to know. It means that we cannot keep doing the same old things and expect different results. Amen. Now, I know it took me a whole lot to tell you that. But you see, it means that it doesn't matter how hard we try. It doesn't matter how much we gather. It doesn't matter how much we know. Something will always be missing from our daytime life. It, it will always be less than what God intends or desires for us. You see, no one what did it say in our text? No one can see the kingdom of God unless they have been born from above. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born from above. Now before I go any further, I want to stop and say this. I deal with people all the time that will look me square in the eye and say, well, you know, preacher, I, 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 I appreciate what you're saying and I appreciate what you're trying to do, but I feel like that if I do enough good stuff for enough people, that I'm going to make it in. That I'm going to be all right. You know, I, I, I give a lot of money to charity. Praise God. I do a lot of good things in my community. Praise God. I help out the poor. I give, I buy two sacks of groceries every week for the food bank. But where does it say in the Bible that you do all that? Do you get in? What did I just tell you? No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born from above. Amen. Mm -hmm. So you see right there, 
when you start sharing your faith and you run into that, now you can deal with it. Take that scripture that we just read and point to it. I want you to read that one statement right there. No one. There's no exceptions. No one. The Bible tells us, the text that we read tells us that to truly be born again, we must first be born of the water. The Bible tells us there are two baptisms. The first is John, which is the baptism of repentance, or it's also known as the baptism of water. In Matthew 3, 8, Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees. And he tells them they must produce a fruit of repentance. In other words, the first step to being born again is to repent. To recognize that in fact you are a sinner and you need to be saved. And see, here's the thing. The Pharisee in every one of us does not want to admit we're not good people. Think back, folks. Think of who and what you were before you came, became a follower of Jesus Christ. You were the most pathetic individual on the face of the earth. Amen. But then something happened. Just like Nicodemus, your life was changed forever. But we don't want to admit that we're not good, but without the recognition, you will never understand the reason that Jesus came and did what he did. Next, Jesus says to be baptized in the Spirit. A lot of people struggle with that, don't they, Joe Boy? John the Baptist says, Jesus baptizes in the Spirit. In other words, what Jesus was doing with Nicodemus was laying out the plan of salvation to him as, as plainly and simply as he could. He even quoted John 3.16, probably the most quoted scripture in the Bible. But you see, Jesus shared with Nicodemus that he came into the world not to judge it as many of the Pharisees has done and many of us has done as well, but rather to save the world and give eternal life. And it came with a very tremendous cost. And Nicodemus would later see what Jesus went through to pay for the gift of salvation, to make eternal life available to all those who believe in Jesus. Now I want to get to the heart of this. Because you see, Nicodemus needed to lose his religion. And that's what many people today need to do as lose their religion. You see, Nicodemus came to Jesus certain, certain that God's blessing was predicted on keeping and precedented on keeping the rigid set of laws. Believing that 
He needed to do something in order to go honor God's care. I got to say something else here. Boy, God's talking to me. So many people. And you may be sitting there right now thinking, well, I know somebody that just ain't worth saving. I'm here to tell you, there is no person that it is beyond the Holy Spirit moving in their life and becoming a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, I know there's some sorry people out there. I know it just as well as you do. But I want you to understand this. People struggle thinking that there is something they have to do to earn salvation. They can't see that it's simply a gift. It, 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 it. I pull this $100 bill out of my pocket and I say, do you want this $100 bill? What do you have to do? You have to accept that $100 bill. You have, you have to. That's the only way. But, but too many people think, well, I, I, I just like Nicodemus, I've got to keep all these rules. If I break one of these rules, that's it. I'm finished. I'm done. You see, people have trouble with, they struggle with that it is a free gift. It has been, been done. All you got to do is accept it. But, but in this meeting, and this is what Jesus was trying to do, that, that, that Nicodemus was so, so astute in keeping the law that Jesus had to like take a hammer and a chisel and start chipping away at, at that foundation. You know, he was trying to deconstruct. He was trying to undo what Nicodemus believed. And, 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 you know, this undoing of his certainty that blessings flow from the adherence, uh, rigid adherence to God's law that, and that God's love was, was predicted on our actions, this, was un, this undoing was necessary for Nicodemus to, to get to where Jesus wanted him. You know, it, 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 in other words, for Nicodemus to uh, experience the miracle of being born again, Jesus had to get rid of all the stuff, his religion. You know, and, and, and nothing that, that we know, nothing that we do can save us. Why do we need a Savior? Because we can't save ourselves. You, you're not going to save anybody. Like it or not, you're not going to save anybody. You can lead people to a point, but then it comes down to just like Nicodemus. 
It was Nicodemus and Jesus. And I believe that that's where every human being needs to get. They need to get to the point to where it is just them and Jesus. You see what Nicodemus was having to do was he was having to decide, what am I going to do with this Jesus guy? And that's what everybody has to do. What am I going to do with this Jesus guy? You know, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, but I think he was speaking to us just as well. Because at some level, we're just like Nicodemus. We, we, we act like there, there are times that we can secure our own future by our actions. And that our actions will somehow save us. And we've already talked about that. But I think what it comes to Nicodemus, what Jesus was trying to do, he was trying to deconstruct, to undo those things in his life that was holding him back. And that's what Jesus has to do with us. You know, sometimes we come to Jesus and we just don't find the answers we're looking for. We don't find the answers we think we're going to find. We find ourselves with more questions than answers. We encounter scripture and discover it doesn't necessarily say what we think it says or what the world tells us that it is saying. And, and that is somewhat unsettling for some of us. But you see, by undoing what we think, and this is the reason why I encourage you all the time I've heard Joe Boy say it. Don't ever let anybody read the Bible for you. You read the Bible yourself. Amen. You don't need me telling you what the Bible says. You need you telling you what the Bible says. And what I want you to hear is this. I think that, that, that what Jesus, when he starts undoing these things that we think we know, that just may be part of the way that, that the Holy Spirit is beginning to to breathe upon our hearts and it allows us to become open to hearing what God is calling us to do anew, participating in God's activity in this old world and, and in our lives. You know, just like Nicodemus, despite uh, his attempts to live faithfully, we do sometimes misunderstand what God is calling us to do and what God is calling us to be. You know, how did Jesus tell it to Nicodemus? He points out the limitations of Nicodemus' religion. You remember in verse 9, Nicodemus says, how can these things be? And what was Jesus' response to him? He said, you're a teacher in Israel? You are a member of the religious elite? And you don't know these things? You see, unless Nicodemus was willing to undergo this transformation experience and he was never going to escape these self-imposed boundaries that he had put around himself. 
just like us, if we don't lose our religion, we'll never believe. Now, am I telling you that Nicodemus understood everything that Jesus was telling him that night? No. But the seeds of change were planted. The seeds of faith were, were, were planted. And that's all you and I can do as followers of Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen, is all we can do is plant that seed of change, plant that seed of faith, and then get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit water it and fertilize it and let it grow. Because we're not going to save anybody. It's been planted. And Nicodemus would go on and he would ponder and he would fully come to believe in Jesus Christ and, and, and that, that Jesus came as his Lord and Savior. But that night, he kept silent about his business. He kept his ever-growing faith in Jesus to himself. He didn't let on for some time that he had talked to Jesus' purpose you know, on purpose and, and, and personally. On the outside, he was quiet and he was silent. But on the inside, he just had this big old hole in him. He had this big old void in him. And the only way that it could be filled up was by the Spirit of God indwelling him. And then he became a follower and his life was changed forever. And he never hid his faith for Jesus Christ ever again. If you flip over, I think it's about the 7th chapter of John, verse 50 through 51, you will see Nicodemus defending Jesus. You see, Jesus is the source of our truth. He is the meaning of our life. And here's the thing. When we're born again, just like Nicodemus was, we should never forget that we're born again. We need to live like that. I've told y'all numerous times, you are forgiven. Live like you are forgiven. Your sins have been done away with. Why? Because Christ sacrificed for each one of us. This is a model of faith by Nicodemus. This is a model of courage for every one of us. You see, when we allow Jesus into our lives, He becomes our top priority. He becomes our satisfaction. He becomes our, our, our peace. There's no idol. There's no possession. There is no relationship that can compare. As committed followers, we realize He is worth infinitely more than anything or anyone else. Because he's the one that is going to bring us our joy in these earthly lives while we are awaiting our forever life with him in heaven. I want to tell you one more thing. I'm going to quit. I want you to remember this. And this may be the reason a lot of us keep our faith to ourselves. We try to kind of hide our faith from everybody is because we're afraid when we go out and tell somebody about Jesus that we're going to be rejected. I want you to remember this. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus Christ. And that ought to put some starch in your taper right there. If that don't, I don't know what else I can do. You see... 
Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. You just do what needs to be done. And let the Spirit of God do the rest. And everything will be okay. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for this service today. Father, I thank you for each one here. I just pray a blessing upon each one. Father, as we leave this place, just guide us and direct us, Father. I pray you'll continue to protect us in this very challenging time that, that we live in, Father. Father, we've got a lot of people on our prayer list. We've got a lot of situations on our prayer list, and we just lift it all up to you, Father. We lift up this nation. We lift up, lift up the situation on the border, Father. We lift up our government leaders, Father. All the, the animosity, all the anger, just we put it in your, your, your hands, Lord. We just ask that your spirit move in a special way in the lives of people on our prayer list and all these situations that we've got on our prayer list, Father, and we pray that you bless us with prayer. So, Father, as we leave this place today, just guide us and direct us, Father. Keep us ever mindful of your presence in our lives and help us to go out and share your word, to take your word to someone that is in need. Father, we don't have to look very hard. We don't have to look very long to find someone in need. So, Father, just guide us and direct us as we leave this place and bring us back at the next appointed hour. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. God